This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reepstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Reepstein, a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and we're live every Monday at 4 p.m. on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we are replayed throughout the week. Today in the studio, I have joining me a colleague of mine, Ron Berman. Uh, what it is that we're going to do is think about fast food, and there's lots going on with fast food all the time. Uh, Ron just recently told me uh, about an acquisition made by McDonald's of an analytics company uh, that they bought. And you think a, a fast food restaurant buying an analytics company, that seems pretty unusual. Um, they've done that. We see everything going on with the Impossible Burger, you know, sweeping fast food chains and everything. And we've got one of the most successful um, fast food chains you could possibly imagine, uh, KFC. And so we're going to have... Uh, Andrea Zemensky, who is the chief marketing officer of KFC. So let me remind you, you're listening to Measure Thoughts on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. You can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON at any time during the program, even while we're talking to Andrea. And that's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at measuredthoughtsxm at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at biz, that's B-I-Z radio, uh, 132. But I want to get to our guest, uh, Andre Zemensky, Chief Marketing Officer at KFC. Andrea, welcome. Glad to have you with us. I'm so happy to be here, David. It's so nice to meet you. Well, it's, it's a total pleasure. And, you know, I've been sort of studying your background and your career, and I'm just blown away by it. And it sounds like you are having a lot of fun and being very <laughs> successful in what you're doing at KFC. But why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background and uh, how you came to be at, K- uh, at, K- at KFC. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I feel very um, flattered that you, would, that you would say that, and I am indeed having, having a blast. Um, so I, I started at KFC as the chief marketing officer just over 18 months ago, and I joined after uh, spending about a 20-year career uh, in CPG uh, working for Procter & Gamble, working on brands like um, Crest and Oral-B and Pampers and Love. Uh, so I went from that CPG world, um, which, you know, not much of a better marketing company, in my opinion, uh, to grow up in than Procter & Gamble. Um, and then it's been really fun to come into uh, the super fast-paced um, and, you know, incredible world of fast food and doing so on a brand like KFC, which to me is just a marketer's dream um, because, you know, it is just this this brand that has all of these iconic assets that, you know, all you have to do is show someone a red and white striped bucket or say finger licking good um, and, or show them the kernel and they know that it's KFC. And not only right. do they know it's KFC, almost everyone you would meet um, across the United States, if you ask them about KFC, they would tell you some memory that they have of KFC. Often it's about a bucket of chicken um, with their family when they were growing up, and it, and it really means something to people. Actually, you mentioned KFC, and I'm like Pavlov's dog. I start salivating because <laughs> you rang that bell, and I I just fully anticipate, you know, that it is finger-looking good, and it, it's pretty incredible 
to see that. Now, what I've always known about Procter & Gamble is they have, you know, they've sort of bragged about their alumni, the people that worked at, at uh, Procter & Gamble and then went elsewhere. And I sort of marvel at all the places that they went. Um, but I'm trying to think about what you could transfer from working at uh, on Pampers, for example, to to all of a sudden being a fast food restaurant. So what's that transfer? What knowledge is it? What sort of perspective that that brought you to and actually your starting position as a chief marketing officer? Yeah. So, well, you know, I think everything everything that I learned at Procter and Gamble is we called it consumer as boss um, marketing, and I think that's more true than even anywhere else uh, in fast food, and especially at KFC, that our customer um, is our boss. They have a lot of choices, right, of different places that Absolutely. they can go um, to get food, even including the grocery store, right? Um, so that idea of keeping the customer at the center of everything we do is something that, you know, really I just learned through my entire career in at Procter & Gamble and just couldn't ring more true here. Um, also, I worked a lot on innovation at, at Procter & Gamble. Innovation, you know, was really part of the lifeblood of brands like Crest and, and Pampers. And, um, and innovation also very much uh, drives fast food. Uh, again, having something that, um, that a person craves, right, when they have that moment of hunger or something that they really want to try, uh, like we just launched chicken and waffles. Most people had you know, never gotten the opportunity to try chicken and waffles uh, because they didn't know where to find it or that it was too expensive. And, and we made that through innovation accessible uh, to everyone across our 4,000 restaurants across the U.S. Um, so I think both of those things, you know, very easily apply over. So what's this with chicken and waffles? All of a sudden I've seen that, you know, in, in a few places and I'm thinking, wait a minute, what, what, what's that deal with chicken and waffles? Where'd that come from? It, so uh, how did that come about? So walk us through there. Now, Ron's giving me a puzzled look. Why are you I thought giving... you're Southern. Uh, I am not Southern. I'm from Kansas. That's <laughs> Isn't the, that in the it, South? It's the belly button. So, <laughs> no, it's the belly button of this country. So, so that's it. <laughs> oh, that's but, so, but uh, seriously, though, waffles and, and chicken, where, I want to know the process that sort of led to that since you brought up innovation and what it is you're doing. Where, where does that come from? Well, I mean, it's a it is a huge food trend. It actually started in um, in New York, actually. If you want to know all the a, a northern a northern trade, okay, <laughs> exactly. But really, kind of got its its trend, kind of bringing up through the through the south. But um, but it's a enormous food trend that most people in the U.S. had heard of at one point, but as I mentioned, really had never had the chance to try. And, you know, we believe, you know, that we, we are like the, you know, original uh, fried chicken uh, people. Right. And, and so we knew that we had to be the people to bring this out to the masses. And, but it wasn't easy. It was not easy because we have, first of all, very high standards for our food. Um, Colonel Sanders was the founder of this brand, and uh, he really believed in um, what he called doing things the hard way. Uh, and and he, really was, he was a chef right himself, way. wasn't he? 
Exactly. He founded the, he created the original recipe right. uh, of 11 herbs and spices. Exactly. Which and I'm so assuming he, you're going to tell us what those herbs and spices are before the program's <laughs> over. Well, I mean, that could be a way to keep you, keep people tuned in, I guess. <laughs> I think I'd be in big trouble if I did that. <laughs> well, you can tell me off the air. No problem. But, <laughs> the but, biggest trade, one of the biggest trade secrets in the entire world uh, that many have tried to replicate and uh, not none have been able to to this point. So, well, I think we'll keep it a secret. <laughs> okay. But on the on the waffles one, because I, I, what I want to explore with you, since you brought up innovation, and there's tons of innovation, food innovation that's happening at KFC, it's sort of that process. So you see it, it being used. How, how did you sort of bring it down the line and, and innovate and bring it into the product line of, of KFC? Yeah. So thank you. So we collaborate, and my department collaborates really very closely with our food innovation team. Like we are really partners in crime. So we saw, saw this trend. We wanted to be able to do, to deliver it. And the thing is, it's very hard to deliver a waffle hot and fresh across 4,000 restaurants any time of day, right? And do right. it in a fast way, right? Fast food is fast. Uh, so that was really the problem that we had to solve. And it took many, many iterations. Um, actually, over a couple of years, they were even trying when I, when I got here. And our, I will just give a ton of credit to our um, incredible food science, scientists and food innovation team who found this Belgian liege waffle um, that could be delivered hot and fresh any time of day in 15 seconds, basically, um, and then paired that with our chicken to deliver what really turned into a very, very premium execution of chicken and waffles. But we were also able to deliver it deliciously hot and fresh any time of day across 4,100 restaurants, but also do it at an opening price point of 549, um, which most people, you know, the average brunch, which is where chicken and waffles kind of got its big trend, cost something like $30 uh, in the U.S. So we made it really accessible for people to get. And are you cooking those waffles fresh on the site? We are. It is not. It's a liege waffle, so it's a dough waffle um, that comes in, and then we um, we crisp them up um, okay. in our fryers. Wow! So uh, mm-hmm. you're doing them in the fryer together with the. Is it a separate fryer, or did you have to redesign the kitchen? No, we we put them in the same fryers that we have with just a different button. Okay. Wow. So uh, actually, one of the things that I've been reading about in preparing for this was that there's all sorts of uh, very unusual innovations that's happening throughout KFC globally. And and I'm I'm sort of curious as to, as something is tried in Indonesia or something happens to be tried in Argentina, um, how does it, you know, they're trying it, they find it successful. How does it make its way to the other markets and then eventually to the U.S.? How does that happen? Well, it's it's a very timely question. Uh, actually, we just got uh, finished a couple weeks ago. Uh, one way is through an, an annual conference that we have. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever been part of. But um, we have something that's called marketing planning meetings where we bring basically all of the marketers that work on KFC from all around the world, right? This is one of the biggest global brands in the universe. And we all kind of come upon Dallas for this um, huge conference for the week. Uh, and during that conference, we try um, all of the innovations that have worked and are working around the world. Our food innovation teams come also. Um, we also share our marketing plans. So if there are big marketing ideas that worked in Australia, 
uh, we get the opportunity to see it, talk to the team, understand the strategy behind it. So that's one big formal way uh, that that happens. Uh, we also have a global team uh, that uh, that works to really be able to to share ideas. If we're struggling with an issue, we can go to them, you know, and they can they can bring kind of learning from around the world. Or you know, I have a WhatsApp group with all of the um, all of the marketing leaders from every country around the world, and I just put a WhatsApp question out there and. Um, and everybody, you know, answers, you know, for ideas that they may have for what they've seen in their own market. WhatsApp. I thought I thought that was just for you know kids that are just trying to just chat and find out what you're doing <laughs> right now. I, I can't believe you're yeah. using it for uh, within corporation, you know, business communication. That's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we work very fast here, and it's a way for us to be agile and fast and and stay close across time zones and countries and all of that. Um, so let me remind our audience that you're currently listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We are currently speaking with Andrea Zeminski, who's the chief marketing officer of KFC. And uh, you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And you can tell her your favorite idea of what food should be introduced on the menu. Now, now, Andrea, I'm very, very interested in this conference, which I don't know why I wasn't invited to it. But this conference (laughs) that happened in in Dallas, I'll put it on my calendar. But um, you said everybody comes with their innovation and then you try it. So you're tasting the... uh, the shrimp donuts that happened to come from Singapore or wherever they, they came from? And Absolutely. Crawfish, uh, chicken sandwiches from China. Yes, we get to try uh, all of those all of those creations. And, well, first of all, what was the, what was the weirdest one that you tried? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think this this time. Uh, I think the weirdest one we saw was probably the... the um, I think it's crayfish uh, chicken sandwich, I think, in, in China. Okay. It was good. I think it worked well <laughs> with their customers. <laughs> that, that was well put. It yes. works for them. <laughs> but Andrea, is there like an example of something that made it to the U.S., like something that was successful in a different country and you adopted here? Um, well... I'm trying to think of a good of a great example while I've been here. Um, I can't think of a specific innovation since I've been here um, that we have brought. Uh, we have built our ideas to be bigger mm-hmm. by learning, you know, operations or um, supplier details, or maybe you put this little twist, um, little twist on on it, mm-hmm. um, more so than um, more so than an exact something from from one country to to here. So that's uh, you know, when I think about branding, one of the things I've often talked about on this program is the need for standardization. And I think for a brand to be a brand, it's got to be the same globally. So a pamper that has that is bought in Dallas or in Kansas or Philadelphia has got to be the same darn pamper everywhere. And then when it's bought in Japan, it's the same pamper. Um, I think with food, it's a little bit it's a little, little bit different. different, but not a lot different. So I certainly know that the Starbucks coffee I get wherever I am in the world, it's this, it seems like it's exactly the same coffee. And the quarter pounder, uh, if I would stop at a McDonald's, 
that it would have sesame seeds on the bun. Um, so I'm trying to think about that standardization, yet the ability for you globally to do things differently in different markets. Well, I, I think um, I think it's really a matter of there are some things that need to be consistent, but especially when you're dealing um, with food and flavors um, like we do, I think you have to have the opportunity to appeal to local trends and tastes, right? Chicken and waffles is a huge trend here in the U.S. It's not a huge trend um, everywhere. But the, at the core of our brand is, for example, our secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. Mm-hmm. And that has to be consistent no matter where you go, that you can go and get this delicious fried chicken that is prepared the hard way, the way the colonel did it, and it's delivered um, with that special flavor of 11 herbs and spices that makes us so different than anything else that you can get. So I think it's, it's being able to balance, um, balance both, of those, both of those things having the threads that hold it um, together of those core things that make us the brand that we are. Okay, so so some element that is absolutely the standard, and then there's going to be, you know, you could have rice with your fried chicken when you happen to be in Japan, I guess. I don't know if that is the For case. Example. Boy, but, For example. But use that illustratively. Um, <laughs> since what you said was looking at the trends um, it, it, by the way, does that differ within the United States so that in the South or the East or the West, you know, there might be some differences across the different restaurants? Yeah, we, we, see, we definitely see some of that, right? The U.S. is a, is a big, dynamic culture. Um, so we definitely see some things be more popular in the South or um, more popular on the coasts um, or less popular in, you know, middle America. Um, you know, but, but I think big, big food trends kind of um, go, pa- you know, go beyond that. You know, for example, one of our biggest innovations that we've had in the last several years um, was Nashville hot chicken, which comes from the South, uh, obviously, from, right. from Nashville. Uh, and we were able to also be kind of the first big national chain to democratize that across uh, the whole U.S. And we found that appeal to be pretty universal. And we basically gave the opportunity for everyone across the U.S., even if you don't get the opportunity to travel, to be able to try that incredible flavor of Nashville hot chicken. And, and what is that, by the way? I have no idea. Uh, so it is uh, it's spicy. It's spicy chicken. So it's it's uh, mm. it's a spicy sauce that goes goes onto the chicken. Okay, Pavlov's spell is like is ringing again. I'm hearing it. So, um, you know, since you're trying to be on top of the trends and adapt to those, one of the big trends that I see going on is uh, farm fresh and healthy eating. And I'm trying to think about how one sort of deals with that when you're dealing with fried chicken. Yeah, I mean, I think I think. The, another big trend is uh, comfort food, uh, which is kind of a balance balance to uh, you know more healthy healthy eating. Right? Is you want to eat healthy, but you also want to be able to to splurge uh, sometimes, you know. And also, um, you know, we we also pride ourselves in um, having our chicken come from local farms across the U.S. Um, we've, we've just moved all of our chicken to 100% uh, human antibiotic free. So, oh, nice. you know, we are really 
trying to make the ability to have this comfort food also be as as um, as healthy uh, and as aware of farm fresh, right, um, as it as it can possibly be. So we're you know steroid free, we're um, human antibiotic free, uh, hormone free chicken, all raised in U.S. farms. And, um, and then we have pride and fried. Like, we believe that, that no matter what, uh, people are still going to kind of crave that, uh, that comfort food that comes from fried chicken. Um, so we're not, we're not afraid of that. We're not ashamed of that. We're very, um, we're very proud of it. And we find that, that customers, even if they are, you know, moving towards a more healthy eating trend, um, you know, the busier and crazier and more unpredictable life becomes, people crave that comfort also that can come from from um, from fried chicken. No, no question about it. Are are you falling prey to this whole vegan movement, and how are you adapting to that? <laughs> uh, well, I think that my I think that my boss is on record uh, saying that it is absolutely something that we are trying to understand. It's obviously a big uh, customer demand. I started the conversation talking about how we have to keep the customer at the center. center. And this is a big changing trend uh, with our customers, and they want to be able to introduce more meatless options uh, into their menus. So we are in an exploration phase. Uh, we're meeting with some you know, suppliers to better understand this space and our customers to really understand um, is this something that they're going to want uh, from KFC? Are you going to be – so, again, thinking about the process, are you going to be introducing that into a test market sometime soon? Uh, well, I can't talk about our specific plans, um, but uh, all I can say is we're continuing to explore it and understand does it have a home for sure. us at KFC. Okay. But, Andrea, can I have, like, a question? So suppose you have an idea, and, and it's a new innovation about, let's say, vegan KFC – how do you test it? Like, how do you know it will work, or at what? How how big do you do the test to to kind of yeah. verify this is something people would like? Absolutely. So we do, you know, just as we did in CPG, we do some pre market, you know, early detection uh, studies, concepts, those types of things. We call it predictive market, um, but it's much more kind of claimed. Would I be interested in this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we kind of, and we do massive amounts of those. And then once we get, you know, through the funnel, we get, we, so we almost do it as a funnel, right? You put a whole bunch of ideas into that kind of testing. Um, and then once you get a little bit further down the funnel and find those ideas that, um, that we feel like we've got strong appeal from our customers on, then we move those into a market test. So the great thing is we have these 400, uh, 4,100 restaurant locations, you know, across the U.S., and we have amazing franchisee partners uh, who want to partner with us on testing new menu items. So we and we we've made this a big priority as we've been amplifying our innovation program. In fact, we're doing now about 10 times the market tests mm-hmm. as we were previously doing. Um, wow. So we're you know really turning up this what we call innovation machine and getting more market tests out there, and that really helps us understand really really are these items something that customers are willing to to really put their own money out and 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 want to want to try. I'm curious how long do you have to run one of those tests in market because to some degree it might take people time to a try to recognize it's on the menu and then mm-hmm. b to try it, and then the real key is whether or not they retry it. So I'm, I'm sort of curious how long those tests have to run. Well, it depends on if we're doing a limited-time offer item 
where maybe we only need to test it for four weeks. Okay. Um, so, and we can get that learning pretty fast. Is this something that people are going to be interested in and want to come and get? Um, if we're looking at testing something that's going to become more of a permanent menu item, then you're talking, you know, maybe you need to do it for 10 weeks, 15 weeks, uh, where you really understand how does this then become part of your customer's purchase um, cycle and how does it mix on the menu over time and is it going to earn that right to be part of the menu ongoing. And and the hard part is that you want to test it in a market, not too broad, but then also how representative is that market of what's going to be the national trend. So I, re- I recognize that's part of the challenge for you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's uh, exactly right. So again, I want to remind people you're listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. And we're currently speaking with Andrea Semensky, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of KFC. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And, Andrea, I want to ask you about your marketing budget and your marketing spending. So what is it that I, – I hear all this about innovation, which I, I think is great. And you've been doing a wonderful job with that. Um, and that that's really what we've been talking about up to this point. But you spend money – um, not just on your innovation, but you spend money to try and draw customers in. And um, and what is it you spend on? And and then I'm going to ask you, by the way, how do you know it's working? Of course, of course. So, you know, we we spend money on more traditional advertising, right? Um, right. Like TV and uh, digital and social and all of those things. Um to exactly like you said, drive people into the restaurant. Um, we also spend money on things that we would call more brand over time. So, right, we do sales. We have to. Del- we're. I am accountable for delivering sales overnight, but also I'm held accountable to building this really important big brand over time. So we do spend a subset of our money on making sure that this big brand grows over time and stays relevant uh, with customers. And that's doing more non-traditional type things like on Mother's Day this year, which is one of our biggest uh, sales days because the colonel um, linked KFC with Mother's Day by saying, hey, let the colonel cook for mom on Mother's Day. Uh, It's a very kind of heritage, heritage point and heritage day. But we decided this year that we would give moms a treat with new innovation like our Cinnabon biscuits. But also we gave her another treat uh, through a partnership with the Chippendales, the real Chippendales, where we created a customizable video of the real Chickendales. So we had the Chippendales dressed up as the colonel, and they did a, a routine, and it was a digital video that you could type in your mom's name in the state that she lived in, and it would um, put out a customized performance by the by the Chickendales to wish her a happy Mother's Day um, from KFC and the Colonel. And, and do you only do that after ten at night, or I mean, how do <laughs> how do you put restrictions on the Chickendales here? And, and you we, know, is it that sort of a, a you know an oxymoron because you've got the the Chickendales and it, it, it's chicks, right? So it's it's chicks and it's the the Chickendales here. That <laughs> I like I like where you took that. I really like where you took that, David. <laughs> <laughs> it was I like that. A, a, a distorted mind uh, for sure. Well, well, that's an amazing thing that you do, and you viewed that. So that one, by the way, was that to build brand? Right. I mean, it's about you know at a time when people in their lives are thinking about how to 
honor their moms on Mother's Day or kind of how to wish their mothers, a, their moms a, a happy Mother's Day, you know, we're able to have our brand be there in a way that isn't just a logo slap or a, hey, come get a $5 fill up, um, but in a way that is, you know, authentic and, hey, we can actually help you um, and we can elevate your experience of Mother's Day and make it really fun, um, which really in the end just makes our brand more relevant to them, makes it makes it feel more like we're a brand that they want to be part of, uh, which we know is very important uh, to delivering that big brand growth over time. So, Sandra, I have a question. So, like, how many people took up this opportunity to customize this video? Was it, like, shared on Twitter or social media? How did it work out? Yeah, so we um, we shared it on uh, social media. We had over 300,000 people go out and make a customized video for their mom. Wow. And uh, we had incredible just even organic sharing um, of this video. We put some media behind it, but I think we had something like a million views of this video before we even turned advertising on. Um, So, you know, people really kind of got into it and, uh, and, and wanted to share it, to share it because it was a point in their life. It was very relevant to what was happening in their lives at that moment. So that's incredible. A million sort of views on that. Um, How did you try and come up with a, a, or did you try and come up with what was the dollar return to that campaign? So we, the way that we measure our brand over time, so we, again, I mentioned, we talk about sales overnight, which is very easy to measure, right? Right. Uh, But then there's brand over time. And we have a very, I would call it sophisticated brand tracker uh, that we use to hold ourselves accountable to delivering the, that brand over time. So we have several measures, a measure we call brand love, um, recommendation, visitation, uh, that we uh, track ongoing. We get data on this. On this. Our suppliers are collecting data um, every day, and, um, and then we review it once a month. And we are making sure that all of those measures are going up because we have found through pretty sophisticated regression models that it is tight. Those specific measures that we look at are tightly correlated with sales growth over time. Right. So, um, you know, one of the things I've always believed is that companies should actually measure their brand's total value. And what you're telling me is you can look at it and say, hey, this has a direct impact on our sales. They should measure that brand's economic value, and that should show up on their balance sheet. Absolutely. And, you know, there's some estimates that have said that the brand value represents anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of an overall corporate uh, corporate, uh, equity. And I suspect for somebody like KFC, it might even be more than that. Right, because the brand uh, the, is so powerful. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you think the the people in finance in your company recognize how powerful that brand is, and therefore are willing to budget you uh, provide more of a budget for you to spend against that brand? You know, I think yes, absolutely. But I think even more importantly, our franchisees um, believe in the power of this of this brand, and ultimately, our ad budgets come from our franchisees. And they believe, uh, first of all, in the power of the brand, but they also believe in this idea of 
that we need to not just grow sales overnight, but we have to build the big brand over time. Um, and they, you know, are partners with us. Uh, they saw, you know, they saw the Chickendales idea and, you know, were crazy enough to, to go along with it with us, right? Yeah. Uh, because they believe in the, in the power of these things uh, to increase the value of the brand, which is ultimately what's going to help, help them. I didn't even talk about uh, the franchises. I guess it's a little bit difficult to um, to always get the franchisees to buy in. And are th- are they paying for the advertising, or is it coming out of corporate, or how's that work? So we have we have an ad fund that all of our franchisees contribute to um, Vol- so voluntarily. Really, it's part of our franchisee agreement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and so they're all contributing to that, and then corporate throws in some as well. And it's just part of being a, a part of the KFC family. It's it's part of the KFC family, and we have an incredible group of franchisees. We have about um, 370 franchisees. Um, we have an incredible group of franchisee leadership. Uh, I I um, work on a marketing subcommittee uh, with another key franchisee leader um, and several other franchisees that are really working. In fact, I leave tomorrow to go meet with them. Uh, for two days of meetings where we really just go through all of our plans and they're building these plans together with us. It really is a partnership. That's fantastic. Uh, last question that I have for you, although I'd like to spend another couple hours with you <laughs> on this, but last question is, you know, what's the next big thing at KFC? Well, we are, we've got, of course, we always have something cooking. Uh, we <laughs> hold ourselves accountable. So to speak. Uh, to really being unexpected. Uh, and so we have some incredible things coming. I mentioned our innovation program. We're keeping our foot on the gas um, on our innovation program. Um, and so you should really look to see some incredible new menu items, uh, some limited time only, but some um, on our menu uh, that are going to be coming coming this year. And then we will always, uh, like we did with Chickendales, uh, be coming into culture in ways that, that you never, never would have expected. Uh, so we we have a part of our marketing campaign is a series of rotating kernels and of rotating celebrity kernels. So um, we will be announcing our next new kernel very soon. Uh, so we've got that coming. And, uh, you know, we are just very excited. We've, we've delivered five consecutive years of sales tour sales growth, and we're well on our way to our sixth one. And we are just focused on accelerating growth and um, and are just very excited about what the future holds. Well, that sounds great. And I said that was my last question, but um, were you the one responsible for a female colonel, or did that <laughs> did that precede you? I have to tell you, I'm so excited that that you um, that you asked me that question. I uh, I am very proud of the work that we did with Reba McIntyre. Uh, that was one of the first decisions that I made on the brand um, nice. as I got here, um, which was you know bringing bring a, bringing our first female colonel and who better to um, represent this and to play the role of colonel than someone who just transcends gender, transcends um, music preference, transcends socioeconomic, you know, uh, boundaries, all of that than, than Reba McIntyre. And man, she just took America by storm. We couldn't have been more excited. It was um, a year and a half ago about that we that we launched Reba and people are still talking about her. I think just like a month ago, she was the question on Jeopardy. <laughs> That's um, great. As, as Colonel Reba. Uh, so we were just so thrilled with her and, uh, and are very proud that, uh, that she uh, played the important role of Colonel. 
Andre, that's fantastic. My hat is off to you. I'll look forward to the next Chippendale uh, <laughs> episode that we've got. And, uh, and best of luck to you. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, David. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you.